what's going on great people good morning good afternoon good evening um good night if you're about to go to bed uh <laughs> depending on where you're at that's why i said all of them but uh here in atlanta it's morning time right now currently as i speak so good morning to anybody that's currently going listen to this in the morning time or whatever time you listen to it good morning good afternoon good evening good night however you want to take it um but i had to get the drake in um because though the markets are down, we've been getting, you know, some bad news, whether it's related to XRP or Bitcoin. Um, it's still in God's plan. History has already been written. What's going to happen will happen. Whether we choose to stick it out or not is, is completely on us. But I'm just going to get right to it, man. I'm, I'm just cut to the first topic. XRP, Ripple, SEC. A lot of people were pissed off about this this timeline for some readjustment. And it had a good reason to. I was pissed off too, man. I was pissed off too. Summary judgment has a timeline that goes all the way down to the end of this year. I think December. That's not the news we wanted to hear as, as XRP holders. And not only that, but the fact that who's to say that there won't be any more delays from now up until December. The SEC are masterminds when it comes to delays. Like if you want to delay something, go to the SEC. If you need some advice on how to delay anything. Go to the SEC. They've been delaying the Bitcoin spot ETF for I don't for years and have suffered no consequences. They have been delaying this XRP Ripple case for over a year now to no consequence. Like, who does the SEC reports to, man? Like, how is this even? How is this possible? Like I understand Congress, Tom Emmer, and and the ones that that are over the the financial, the banking committee, whatever they call themselves. Like, is anyone not going to step in here and say, "Hey, you, you, you all have been dragging this United States company that are trying to lead in innovation. You guys have been dragging them along for too long." We need to speed this case up. As an XRP holder, that's the most disappointing thing on that I can. I'm just speaking for myself, but the most disappointing thing for me is no one is approaching the SEC like you guys are straddling along this case. You guys are delaying this case. You're costing this company money. You're using United States citizens' tax dollars to aid this case. And you're dragging it along. And you're making it extensive because you guys never had a good case to begin with. And we know that there aren't any clear regulations or rules or guidelines pertaining to crypto assets. So... We're not going to sit back and allow you to drag this company through this lawsuit and basically extort money from them. And and, and your only issue is your only 
game plan is you're trying to force a settlement because you know this company is is their business is being harmed like justice 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 delayed is is justice denied i think the one of the representatives from ripple stewart stewart alderock roddy said that uh geshler said that i'm not sure when geshler said it or where he said it but he, he stated that that geshler said it so justice delayed is justice denied so as a as a agency as a government agency why is it that your sole purpose is to protect investors but yet you're dragging us along in this case you're dragging us along in this case because you want to expand your your jurisdiction over crypto assets and, and pretty much try to label everything as a security but yet since you don't have a good case against ripple you want to drag it out harm their business get as much money as you can out of them get them to spend much money and harm their business so they can come to the table for settlement talks when you don't have any evidence on them that they committed any wrongdoing at all so as a government our congress should step in like okay dude you all really have a case here our congress should look at the job should look at what ripple did as a company before there were any major mainstream talks about ripple ripple i mean about <laughs> cryptocurrencies ripple did their due diligence they hired law firms to write out a game to write out everything when it when it pertains to security laws uh anti-fraud laws money laundering laws all type of laws ripple did their own due diligence and, and, and went ahead created their business plan revised their business plan to fit to the point to where their asset xrp would not be labeled as a security they did that they did that it ain't like ripple went and created a, a, an asset they didn't they didn't go and create xrp and then started just selling it without getting any type of advice no they did that they did their due diligence but yet we here we have an agency that is hard not to say is corrupt and, and and it's hard to say that they're not trying to pick winners and losers when they've picked ethereum mainly and bitcoin to give a a a financial regulatory uh not financial but to give regulatory clarity to for the open markets now if you just take a step back and think about all of this right bitcoin is a project that someone created ethereum is a platform that someone created Bitcoin it's a platform it's it's a, it's a network it's software ethereum is it's the grand scheme of things it's software XRP is a token to the to the to the XRP ledger and that's the software so just think about this now think about this all of those every crypto asset on the market was created by a group of devs a group of developers right what makes bitcoin different and we're not going to dive into the technical part of it because that's not going to get into all that but 
from just the sub from simplest terms, what makes <coughs> excuse me, what makes Bitcoin so different than XRP and Ethereum? All right, let, let's let, let's take a quick look at it. Bitcoin's creator, right? Uh, 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 I assume that they have no organization behind it. They have no enterprise behind it. They have no company behind it. That's one. That's that's the biggest difference. That's the biggest difference with Bitcoin. Ethereum, it got a free pass, but yet it has the whole Ethereum enterprise, Ethereum alliance. has a lot of groups behind it. A lot of groups behind it that's, that's making sure that Ethereum is successful, right? So, Let's, let's compare that to Ripple and XRP. XRP has one major backing behind it, and that's Ripple. But any company can come along and build on the XRP ledger. Any company, right? The XRP ledger is fully functional, complete, built out, ready to go. It's, it's ready to use. Ethereum is being merged over, and they're still working on Ethereum 2.0. And the people behind Ethereum is making sure that Ethereum 2.0 is getting built because Ethereum 1 can't scale. High gas fees has been infiltrated with, with, with what you call them, scams. Not scams, but um, yes, you might as well call them scams. They've been, they've been hacked. Ethereum has been hacked. Ethereum projects has been hacked, have been hacked numerous times. So clearly... Ethereum still needs work and they have the groups behind it that's making sure that it can merge successfully over to Ethereum 2.0 and then when it merged to Ethereum 2.0 which is which will be proof of stake the largest holders of Ethereum will have more control over the network so how can you look at that and say hey Ethereum is more decentralized than XRP. When Ethereum itself, when you buy Ethereum, you don't know if you're buying, like, that's the thing. They've said that the token ETH is considered gas. But when you buy Ethereum, a lot of people get, I got in their mind that they're investing into the Ethereum platform. They're not buying Ethereum for gas. You're only getting Ethereum gas when you're using things like, you know, when you purchase NFTs and MetaMask and all those other platforms, you got to spend Ethereum then. But when somebody goes on Coinbase, say the average new investor goes on Coinbase, they, they're buying Ethereum for an investment in Ethereum, not Ethereum's gas. So for one, they haven't even separated those two if you're going to have ethereum and the platform and ethereum gas you should have separated that you should have had ETH G or something ethereum gas and then just regular ETH. but like i said like i was saying let's get back to the point how is that more decentralized and how is that a commodity but xrp the native token to a platform to the software is a security how so is that a security to the xrp ledger because it can't be a security to ripple just because they own a lot of it there is still a whole secondary market full of xrp 
even if you dissolve Ripple and take away all of that escrow and you destroy that escrow, you still got a whole secondary market of XRP. And then you got the second largest holders of XRP. Then what then once you get rid of Ripple is is now the XRP is security to the second largest holder? Okay, then the SEC goes after them. XRP still on the market. What then XRP is a security to the third largest holder? Like really? Like come on. None of this is making sense. So let's let's talk about this um this timeline real quick. I got I, I have an article pulled up. And it's SEC versus Ripple lawsuit. Delays expected as new developments emerge. So the everlasting lawsuit between the Securities and Exchange and the fintech firm Ripple began in December 2020. Since then, the lawsuit witnessed allegations of constant delays. The case hasn't come close to a conclusion yet. The SEC time and time again doing everything it can to delay. This time is no different as there are talks of further delays. Whatever the outcome be, one thing is certain. XRP holders have suffered in the past. It will suffer again considering the further delay. Stalling like a boss, the SEC unsurprisingly had applied for an extension on numerous occasions. On, on the 15th of April, the SEC filed a request for an extension of time to file its objection to Magistrate Judge Nat Burns' ruling on the motion for reconsideration of the DPP ruling. But this time, both the parties seem to agree with this delay in timeline. Needless to say, this decision didn't receive the traction it had wished for, uh, for amongst the XRP community. According to a recently filed letter published by the attorney James K. Fallon, the SEC Ripple and the individual defendants Chris Lawson and Brad Garlinghouse agreed that all motions for summary judgment and to exclude experts' testimony must be filed on or before the 2nd of August 2022. The expert challenges would reportedly take place in August, followed by closing briefs by the 20th of December 2022. <laughs> just reading this, man. Is this? But, you know, it, it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be fine. Like, I made, a, I made a tweet on Twitter, like, the best thing XRP holders can do is disconnect from this case and when I say disconnect from the case I'm not saying like stop putting your voices out there stop complaining to Congress but what I'm saying is when I say disconnect from the case is like stop like I, I was a, I was a, a victim of it um I was a victim of it uh so once you, once you become a victim of it, man. Once you become a victim of it. Hold on. Once you become a victim of it. Then. Hold on. Yeah, once you once you become my fault, y'all. Have to y'all handle something real quick. But once you become a victim of of keeping your trying to keep your eye on the case, uh uh often constantly it kind of weighs on you it kind of like gets your hopes up like when is some good news coming out when some good news coming out like keeping an eye on everything that's released right so you gotta like give yourself a break from the case you know focus on something else you know research some more hidden gems um you know just do something in life 
enjoy life, go to the gym, work on your diet, or work on your hobbies, you know, find some more hobbies, right? But as far as the case, don't be so focused on these attorneys and, you know, what they got to say on every given, like, you know what I'm saying? Just give it a break for a bit because this thing, as we can see, this thing has been drug, drug out. Like the timeline is the timeline has been proposed. Now we're just waiting on the on the judge to confirm it. So once once she confirms it, then you know it, it's just just a waiting game, man. I get you can you if you don't have enough XRP to where you're satisfied as at a at a at a realistic price point, then continue to accumulate. Right, but if you if you feel like you have enough XRP to where you you will be good when XRP hits five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, fifty dollars, a hundred dollars. If you're good at those price points, because those are very realistic price points. If you're if you have enough XRP that you can multiply by fifty and multiply by twenty, and you come out good on the other end, then you know accumulate some other coins. Don't just you know be settled with xrp accumulate some other coins especially right now with the market being down accumulate some other coins man accumulate some other coins because this case man is it, just <laughs> just forget about it just forget about it um and, you know once you forget about it then you may we may wake up one day and say hey we see hey the, the case is settled you know and that'll be <laughs> that'll be the greatest day in 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 you know but you know, I, I I don't have my hopes up too high that it's gonna reach a reach a settlement. A lot of people say a settlement makes sense, but I don't see how it makes sense for either side. Um, I don't, I don't see how uh, unless that set that set that if the only way that settlement can make sense is if both sides get a win and it's a very drawn out settlement. Like that settlement is pretty much gonna be. It's gonna be the the clarity that the space needs. If there is a settlement, that settlement is probably gonna be pages long, right? At least two to three pages. I'm talking about long pages. So a lot of people say, um, just because the SEC has a history of of settling cases before they get to trial, I mean, I don't I don't buy that because I mean I'm not disputing the numbers, the percentages, but I don't think that's going to be the case in this in this Ripple case because, for one, all of those cases that settled with the SEC, there were clear laws on those on those cases why they settled. There were clear laws. Not only that, a lot of those companies probably didn't have the funds to take it all the way or fight the SEC like Ripple did, right? And not only that, when was the last time the SEC went up against a company that was basically the heart of a whole new asset class that has never been the case so when people talk about these numbers and percentages man pay that no mind because it has no impact on this case right here the sec has unlimited funds they can take this case as long as they want the only thing that's stopping the sec the only thing that could stop the sec is those emails those human emails so they can drag this case all the way up into the point to where they are forced absolutely forced to turn over those him and emails and like John Dean and, and Jeremy Hogan a couple of them said after they appeal um, to Judge Torres 
and she gives a decision that the SEC don't like, which she probably is, because I doubt they go against Judge Netburn's ruling. Um, then they're just gonna appeal to the to the, to the Second Circuit. They're, they're gonna appeal to the Second Circuit, not because they feel that the the, the decisions by the judges are wrong, but they're gonna appeal just to delay. Delay is Ripple's worst enemy right now. It's, it's nothing else. Ripple's worst enemy is delay. That's it. If it wasn't for the, the, the delay, this case would have been over a long time ago. SEC would have been forced to turn over those emails. They didn't have any evidence on Ripple. They can't prove the XRP is a security. This case is done. But the only card that the SEC has is delay. That's it. And Ripple, I guess Ripple is going to tough it out for another year. But back to this, back to this article. Um, although this recently filed joint scheduling order wouldn't apply to motions to challenge the testimony of Anthony M. Bracco, who, who proposed available remedies in his expert report. Overall, this delay injected surprising reactions on crypto Twitter. James Fallon, in a following t- tweet, gave his narrative. Fallon suggested that the schedule agreement was mostly a trade-off. Elaborating on why Ripple would have agreed, Fallon added. Scheduling, um, um, let me go to his tr- tweets. Uh, many people are quitting. This is, quote-unquote, uh, this is from James K. Fallon. Many people are questioning why Ripple agreed to this schedule. My gut feeling is that there was a trade-off. A longer briefing schedule, but the elimination of the pre-motion rule 56 practice. If Ripple didn't agree, there would be more scheduling disputes that in my estimation would have taken up even more time and Ripple would have lost that battle if the past is any guide. Then the motion schedule would have gone well into 2023. In my opinion, this was a very smart move by Ripple in locking in the schedule. Now, James K. Fallon is an attorney and he's a professional at what he does. I'm just a regular degular human being giving my opinion so I'm not going to go against what he's saying so I'm going to take his word for it. I'm going to take his word for it so if he feel like Ripple came out on the winning side then hey I I feel the same way. But uh, in addition the general counsel at Ripple Stuart Alderati in in, in, an April 23rd tweet this article is really strange in in 23rd april tweet opinion that sec promoted such delays all the radio asserted to all that have been following the case thus far thank you know that ripple is pushing hard and the court is working hard to resolve the case as soon as possible despite the sec time and again doing everything they can to delay further highlighted that the said resolution would come in 2023 Ergo, inflicting more pain to XRP holders. Around $15 billion in XRP market cap destroyed the day the suit got filed, hurting the very people the SEC purports to pr- protect. So, and then we got Jeremy Hogan. Um, he stated this schedule is the exact worst case scenario that attorney Falon posted the other day. The Ripple case is going into 2023. I've never seen a plaintiff want to delay a case this much. Only defendants. Normally delay. Why bring a case and then postpone the justice you seek? In contrast, look at the SEC versus library case. 
The lawsuit was filed three months after the Ripple lawsuit and will finish finish six months sooner. Everything about the Ripple case is strangely backwards. I agree, Jeremy Hogan. I agree. And that was an, that's an attorney as well. So we getting two sides of the fence. Like, it, it, it's crazy all the way around, man. The case is really crazy. It, it's crazy. But I guess when you're trying to come up with regulations for a whole new asset class, I guess you got to expect the unexpected. Um, Attorney Jeremy Hogan, a partner at Hogan and Hogan Law Firm, expressed his displeasure with the scheduling order as he compared Ripple's lawsuit with that of Library. Note that both Ripple and Library are being charged by the Securities and Exchange Commission for breaching breaching its laws. Whatever the case, XRP suffered indefinitely given the everlasting lawsuit. XRP suffered a fresh 3% correction as it traded around the 0.71 mark. Um, my opinion on, on the on the, on the uh, library case is I don't think it even matters what um, what the ruling is in, in the library case because these are uh, two different type these are two different cases right Say, for instance, say, in my opinion now, I'm not a professional. Like I said, I'm a regular, regular human being, giving my opinion. But in my opinion is, even if library coins are ruled to be securities, I don't judge Nat Burnt, George Torres. Judge Torres has, the way she's going about this case, this case is unique. It's completely different from all other cases. Cases. She's weighing all the facts and the circumstances around everything and people's thinking and all that. So, yes, she may consider certain aspects of a ruling with the library case, but overall, this is like this is her case. She understands the the ramifications of of her rulings on this case, and she stated in the early beginning that she understands that XRP has some sort of utility and a currency value that separate of Ethereum. So, like I say, no matter what happens in the library case, I doubt it weighs much of a, 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 a of impact on, on this XRP case. Right? And, and like John Dean said, we should be thankful that Ripple was, was, were, was granted these judges that pretty much seems like they're thinking with their own mind and they're taking this case separate outside of any other cases cases they understand that like there's there's no clarity there's no rules and regulations to this stuff there this is a new asset that it needs guidance and that's how she's going about it so and with that man we're going to take a quick break and we're back man um Another article that I found interesting. Well, not interesting, but, uh, you know, worth to read. There were tweets on Twitter going around saying that, um, what's his name, Michael Saylor. Um, he was, you know, he's one of the biggest Bitcoin maxis of the maxi kingdom that you can find, right? They were saying that he was secretly dumping some of his Bitcoin. Which I have no problem with that. Like, you gotta at the end of the day, man, you gotta do what's best for your company, for your business. So if he felt the need to sell some of his Bitcoin because he knew the price was going to drop, 
I think he turned out pretty well. So, say if he he be bought like at a lower price and then sold around the top and now he's going back down, he already done sold. He can get back in at a better price entry. He can get right back in at a, at a better entry point. So it ain't like I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to continue to buy. He's going to buy some more. Like he probably did sell, but hey, man, that's, that is that man's business. He got to do what's best for the business at the end of the day. He can't be a complete max and say, hey, I'm going down with Bitcoin. and well, I don't care. I'm holding, I'm holding, I'm holding. Then your whole business is going to fail. And then people going to be looking at you like a, like a, <laughs> you're going to be the biggest laughing stock in the Bitcoin maxi kingdom. So you got to, at the end of the day, man, you got to do what's right for your business. You got to do what's right for your company and, 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 the, and the stockholders of your business. So I think it was a smart move. Even if he was dumping, I mean, who cares? Right? This is business. He made a business decision. Now, this is the article. Um, MicroStrategy CEO dismisses rumors about the company selling its Bitcoin holding. Now, micro MicroStrategy... Um, chairman and CEO Michael Saylor has dismissed rumors that the company is secretly selling its Bitcoin holding. Through his Twitter account, Saylor stressed that as a uh, uh, publicly listed company, MicroStrategy is obligated by the law to file any transactions with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Rumors about MicroStrategy selling its Bitcoin stash emerged after an address identified as um, 1P5ZED was involved in moving a significant amount of the asset. According to analysts and crypto enthusiasts, the whale was likely MicroStrategy or a cryptocurrency exchange. In his tweet, Saylor stated that any Bitcoin sale will be communicated to shareholders. Worth noting is that Saylor has maintained that the company will never sell its Bitcoin holding. Hmm interesting business decision like i was just saying now if you choose to do that and ride it all the way to zero and if bitcoin lord forbid ever crashes all the way down to zero then that that, he just did his shareholders a disservice because that that company is going to go bankrupt it's no other thing it like it's going to go bankrupt if bitcoin crashes down to zero and this man is left holding the bag like he has done his shareholders a complete disservice because he wanted to be a the king bitcoin max so but hey that's his decision that's his company but hey you got an obligation man i hope he th- he's thinking about his shareholders um his tweet states and i quote not sure who needs to know this but when mstr which is micro strategy uh makes any material change to its corporate strategy strategy to acquire and hold bitcoin or to its bitcoin holdings we disclose this to our shareholders via SEC filings available to all, says Saylor. Saylor has emerged as a huge crypto component leading the institutional investment in Bitcoin. Despite the asset undergoing phases of volatility, Saylor has remained bullish on the prospects of the assets. And if you hear a, a leaf blower in the background, and it is a leaf blower, uh, I guess some reason here in Georgia, um, you know, you're gonna hear that i mean just like dai you hear leaf blowers and lawnmowers and it was all out war the other day he said everybody was cutting their lawn at the same time for some reason every it's like every morning there's a leaf blower going on um so my apologies if you guys hear that in the background uh but a plan to continue accumulating bitcoin as a as reported by finbo 
Saylor stressed that the company plans to continue investing in Bitcoin with the view that widespread adoption is imminent. This is after the SEC recommended that the company amend its disclosure in future filings amid high volatility. The company, which is highly viewed as creating a pathway for institutional investors to get involved in Bitcoin, aims to find revenue sources to accumulate the asset. Recently, MicroStrategy's Bitcoin holding hit almost 130,000 Bitcoin after spending an additional $200 million to acquire the asset. The coins were purchased from a Bitcoin-backed loan. Sailors' bullishness towards Bitcoin stems from, from the executive's belief that the cryptocurrency can solve some of the uh, inefficiencies in the traditional financial sector. According to Sailor, Bitcoin is a critical hedge against the dangers of inflation with the asset outperforming traditional products like gold and NASDAQ. Okay, and it's a loan back. Uh, it's a Bitcoin back loan. If it goes to zero, man. Man. In other news on Bitcoin, um, here's an article. Um, shout out to Bitcoinist.com. Uh, and the title is The New China. Is New York actually going to ban proof of work mining? Now, it's very funny because I made a tweet today a little earlier, probably about 30 minutes ago, an hour ago or so. Um, and I just basically retweeted um, the New York mayor, Eric Adams. And remember back in um, November, he said, in New York, we always go big. So I'm going to take my first three paychecks in Bitcoin when I become mayor. New York City is going to be the center of the cryptocurrency industry and other fast-growing innovative industries. Just wait. And he was responding to um, Mayor Francis uh, Sarez, and he's a mayor of Miami. And he said, I'm going to take my next paycheck 100% in Bitcoin. Problem solved. So Eric Adams, the New York mayor, was trying to big him up. Say, okay, you're going to take one, then I'm going to take three. And lo and behold, behold, five months later here in April, we've got New York talking about banning proof-of-work mining. (laughs) If you ban ban proof-of-work mining, you're basically banning Bitcoin. So, let's get into this article. The state of New York is about to shoot itself in the foot yet again. First, the infamous bit license drew all cryptocurrency companies away. And now, they're considering banning proof-of-work mining. Or, at least making it very hard for mining facilities and home miners to operate from the state. The New York State Assembly will soon vote on a bill that will create a uh, moratorium on proof-of-work mining operations unless 100% of their energy comes from renewable resources. That's according to the Bitcoin Advocacy Project, one of the organizations working to save New York from itself. This could set a precedent for states across the across the country to make the same mistake, they say. So, Bitcoin is, is, is under fire now. Bitcoin is under fire yet again behind this mining stuff. Um, to make matters worse, Major Eric Adams ran on a pro-Bitcoin platform and made a huge deal about receiving his first three paychecks. <laughs> I just said it. Receiving his first three paychecks in Bitcoin. 
New York, New York City is going to be the center of the cryptocurrency industry and other fast-growing innovative industries. Just wait. Adams promised only to, tur- only to turn back and say the oxymoron. I support cryptocurrency, not crypto mining. The China light ban on proof-of-work mining will be a, a colossal mistake of New York, driving away hundreds of high-paying jobs as well as any chance of becoming the center of the cryptocurrency industry. Why would the industry set up a shop in a wishy-washy state that clearly doesn't understand what Bitcoin brings to the table? Or why proof-of-work is essential to the whole operation? This is why New York can't have nice things. Another organization actively working on mobilizing the people to prevent New York from cutting itself from the new world is the Blockchain Association. We knew they were coming. The, the, the Blockchain Association need to change their name to the Bitcoin Association because the only crypto asset they support is Bitcoin. They haven't got behind XRP not one time. They haven't got behind Library. I don't know of any other asset they've gotten behind besides Bitcoin. So they should just change their name from the Blockchain Association to Bitcoin Association. And they describe the problem like this. New York will be the first state in the country to ban crypto mining with a bill that only targets the blockchain industry in terms of curbing energy use. The ban will have zero impact on the climate. Uh, however, as the mining operations will simply move to neighboring states. Even if the law passes, proof of work mining will continue. It will continue to use the excess energy on one, on one wants and funds all kinds of green energy initiatives and infrastructure. As Nick Carter said in his open letter to the U.S. lawmakers, Bitcoin miners are attracted to the cheap power. They are willing to scoop up the stranded power and rescue the the economics of wind and solar installations that might otherwise be uh, uneconomical. To which Bitcoin is coming. It's incredible, but proof of work mining critics don't understand this fact. With humanity's current technology, electricity can only travel so far. If the population around a power source doesn't consume it, that electricity is wasted. In any case, back to the to the Bitcoin advocacy project, there's still hope. Fortunately, the bill still needs to pass in the state senate after assembly's vote. That means you've got time to make your voice heard. Of course. Of course. Let's see here. Um... Eric Adams and three acts act one five months ago Eric Adams is pro Bitcoin and even wants crypto education in New York schools act two three months ago Adams actually wins and keeps his promise of getting the first three paychecks in Bitcoin and Ethereum act three two months ago major Adams tries to ban proof of work mining he must have got wrecked on them three paychecks. He must have took them Bitcoin and Ethereum paychecks, man. And he must have lost some money or something. He must have, he didn't like that. That man came back and said, hey, I got these three check, these three paychecks in, in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Now it's time to ban proof of work. I don't like this. I don't like what I'm saying. <laughs> it's time to get rid of this. Then the article reads, uh, make that make sense. The only explanation is that the, that the major, that the mayor of New York hasn't made any effort to understand the industry. He's trying to regulate and attract. Here it is, Eric the Famous. A failure to understand proof of work is a failure to understand Bitcoin. You're welcome. <laughs> That's funny, man. It's funny. You take your first three paychecks in it, then two months later, you're trying to ban it. <laughs> he had to have lost some money. I ain't gonna, ain't gonna lie to you. Um, then we have another um, 
we have another article. Uh, Morgan Stanley says wholesale banks can thrive in a more regulated crypto market. Um, the revenue uh, opportunity could reach as much as $16 billion in the next three to five years, the bank, uh, the bank's analyst said. Wholesale banks have been on the sidelines for the start of the digital assets revolution, missing out on almost all the $4 billion to $5 billion in revenue that corporate and institutional clients generated last year, Morgan Stanley said in a research reported dated April the 12th. Uh, the primary hurdle for banks, which serve corporate clients rather than individuals or small organizations, has been the lack of a clear regulatory framework. Analysts led by Betsy uh, Grisek wrote, You hear that, Gary Gensler, man? Since everything is so clear to your... Ooh, I ain't even gonna say it. I ain't even gonna say it. Let's get back to the article. Uh, the primary hurdle. Uh, still, greater regulation may not be a panetta as that might encourage more direct participation from institutional investors, leaving the banks still on the sideline. Nevertheless, wholesale banks have several advantages over crypto natives. That may give them a chance to catch up as a regulation uh, transform as that may give them a chance to catch up as regulation transforms the market, according to the note. Uh, experience operating in a regulated environment, business models designed to deliver returns as margins compress and the capital requirements increase. Trusted counterparty status for institutional clients are some of the advantages that the wholesale banks benefit from, the note said. Morgan Stanley estimates that there is currently as much as $5 billion in revenue and $1 billion in economic value for wholesale banks from direct participation in the crypto ecosystem that might grow to as high as 16 billion dollars in revenue in the next three to five years with more possible opportunities from efficiency benefits derived from streamlining 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 the infrastructure for several wholesale banking businesses now morgan stanley basically saying like we got at least 10 billion dollars coming into the crypto space if we can just get some clear regulations to what everybody has been fighting for since the beginning of this space so once the banks get clear regulation man and, and, and there's clear regulations as to what's the security and commodity and whatnot, there's going to be a, a influx of money pouring into this space not to mention once a spot ETF get, gets approved then man it's man it's like the floodgates are going to open doors are going to open flood the, the building is going to get flooded there's going to be so much water is coming out the basements it's coming out the roof like water is going to fill money is going to fill the, the it's going to fill this space up man like we, we we haven't seen we we haven't seen anything yet we haven't this is still just the beginning though it seems like we've been we've been going through this for a while now and and I'm just speaking from, you know, myself, and it's been people in it in this space as long as I have. I've been in it for, uh, since, I say, towards the end, the middle of 2018, but I wasn't really, really into it, and I, so, but I'm, I'm gonna say I got started in 2018, right? I've been in it since 2018, so, but we haven't seen anything yet. I didn't dive deep into it until, like, around 2020, 2020, 2021, so, a good I would say a good five years I'd say a good four years three or four years I'd say but uh 
and now the last article of the day um because i don't want to keep rambling on no y'all people have have like it's been it's been um what's the what's the word i'm looking for it's been reports and 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 projects like people have shorter attention spans now so i ain't gonna rumble y'all ears to death man we're gonna get this last article out the way uh, i might do another podcast this week because uh, i didn't do one last week um i had to get the like i said I, w- I was down once i got the news about the about the about the summary timeline for the ripple case and it kind of pissed me off so but we back at it like i said i might release another podcast later on this week but you know who knows it, dep- it depends on how i feel but last article is crypto boom opens door to a new class of landlords now we already know property is already in the, in the real estate um business and they're trying to revamp the whole system um with the house buying process selling process and everything so let's see what this is about um nate gibson got a notice back in february that one of his rental homes in memphis tennessee needed a new ceiling fan as a landlord he thought the request was reasonable reasonable enough but before the work could go forward, he had to hash it out with a group of other people who, like him, had purchased a stake in a property through a cryptocurrency website called Lofty AI. And some of them, some of them needed convincing. There was a large discussion of is is the property manager scamming us? Guess I said. They said I can go on Amazon and buy one for thirty five dollars. Like many decisions on Lofty AI, it came down to a vote of the owners. And the bylaws required a 60% super majority for, appro- for approval. Welcome to the next phase of the crypto e- uh, economy, economy, in which ownership of fairway rental properties is divided up into digital tokens that are sold around the world. And the token holders transform the business of being a landlord into a series of online polls, a system tenants may not even know about. Lofty AI is one of the several tech startups aiming to use blockchain technology to create a new form of investment in real estate. They add to a growing movement built around shared ownership and corporations after called distributed uh, uh, anonymous organizations or DAOs, DAOs. DAOs are often formed around specific projects such as crowdsourcing money to buy a first edition copy of the U.S. Constitution and members get a say if they if they bought tokens online. The concept of real estate investing for the average person isn't new. Websites such as Fundrise and Roofstock have for years offered the chance to buy shares of homes and commercial developments in distant places, but they often require minimum investments of $1,000 or more and restrict how quickly investors may cash out. Lofty AI is going further, creating a mostly unregulated online marketplace in which almost any adult in the world can invest as little as $50 to buy a digital token equivalent to a stake in a single property rental business. Each token represents a share of ownership in a Delaware-based limited liability company. Real estate has historically been seen as a stodgy industry that's resistant to change, and now we're seeing all kinds of tech and real estate ventures, said uh, Desiree Fields, an assistant professor professor of geography and global metropolitan studies at the University of California, Berkeley. She said the emergence of new real estate marketplace reflects how hot the housing market has become, attracting ever more investors while pricing out many would-be homeowners. She ain't lying about that, man. House prices are crazy right now, especially in Atlanta. Like, a uh, house that was maybe one fifty last year is now close to three hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> but anyway, 
back to the article you can't afford to buy a home yourself but maybe you can become one fiftieth of a landlord <laughs> Phil said lofty ai is still small it's online marketplace which began last year so far lists about 90 rental properties most of them in rust belt states such as illinois michigan missouri and ohio property management companies handle the day-to-day rental operations we just thought is there any way we can make real estate investing more accessible so that anyone with an internet connection uh will be able to start building an investment portfolio of rental properties so what we want is to bring the benefit of acquiring these individual properties yourself without having to deal with the problems he said gibson 24 isn't a typical memphis landlord a student in the san francisco bay area he also owns tokenized shares of rental properties in chicago and he regularly votes on subjects that come up for his projects such as the new ceiling fan which owners did approve so that's interesting man um it's interesting how tokens and digital assets is now going to allow you to have uh, a fractionalized ownership in one property like I'm I'm, I'm curious to how this is going to work it's going to be 50 owners for one property like I personally think that's going to be too much it's going to be too much of a a hassle but you know we'll, we'll, we'll see how it turn out man um and on that note, we're going to end it. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the, the, the podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. Like I said, I may release another one later on this week, uh, maybe Thursday or Friday. You know, like I said, depending on how, how, depending on how I'm feeling. But uh, I hope you guys are doing great, man. Stay positive about everything. Don't let nothing get you down, especially nothing that you can't control. And on that note, I'm out, man. Be safe.